On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Gian Peroni. He is the VP of Engineering at NAV. We're going to be talking about organizational design, but specifically about how a leader either adapts to or has the company adapt to their leadership style. And I think it's an interesting topic. And I'm really excited to have you on the the show to talk about this, Gian. Yep, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right. Before we start, two things. Um, what does NAV do? And then uh, just what are some of your responsibilities there as a VP of engineering? Sure. Uh, yeah, NAV is uh, essentially a, a product that serves small business owners in improving their financial health and connecting them to sort of relevant financial products to help them operate their business successfully and improve that financial health. And uh, in terms of my responsibilities, you know, um, I run a, a a fairly sizable engineering team uh, have responsibilities over everything from our product development teams to uh, data, IT, <laughs> infosec. Um, so pretty pretty broad ranging. Um, and then you know I love to go and meddle in, in anything they'll uh, let me get my my claws into. All right, oh, I like that variety. Sometimes keeps you on your toes. Um, so the topic. Um, and I think we were talking about this uh, you know, before recording about how when a leader joins a company, there there are two options. One is you come in there, assess, and you adjust for the organization, for the pieces and parts you have. The other type of leadership is you come in, you assess, and you start changing the org to fit a style and it may be a style that you know works right i mean sometimes we see we see this at you know pro sports all the time you know some managers come in and can work with the team some managers come in and have to turn the team over till they get their players in who can run their system and i think you know the interesting thing is that um one has a positive connotation one has a negative connotation i guess before we dive into the topic i know um obviously you've been at nav for a little bit less than a year you know, you were brought in, and obviously you're you're running engineering. When when you start a new job, how do you assess what you're going to do? Because I think that's at the top of the funnel before you even go. Okay, well, here are the adjustments I need to make, and here are the impacts. I mean, how how do you go about making that decision? Yeah, I think there's sort of a philosophical, um, you know, some people I think that maybe what they're selling in terms of how do you go land yourself a a leadership job, right? Is a Maybe you're selling a playbook um, or selling an approach. And in which case, yeah, like maybe you're just sort of coming in and that's like, you're just there to implement the playbook. You know, I, I joined NAV about nine months ago and I'd say it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite the engagement. It was more like a company at a certain kind of inflection point or a little bit of a, you know, a, a different point that's maturation or growth curve. Um, and so there was maybe a little bit more of a sense of like having to get in and, and evaluate learn your way into it and be a little more uh, responsive to the situation. Maybe, uh, you know, reactive might be uh, the, the negatively connoted word there. Um, but the, uh, I, I think um, I, I generally like to kind of treat it as a triage process because uh, every leader will say, you know, well, I've got my first 90 days plan and I, I uh, you know, I, I'm going to listen and learn for 30 days. But if you arrive and something's on fire, you're, you're going to fix it, right? You have to. So I, I think there's something honestly a little bit dishonest about sort of people claiming that they're really just listening and observing passively because it's, it's almost never the case. You're either mentally teeing up the changes you know you can make once the traffic will bear them or 
uh, you're maybe there's nothing to fix, or maybe you have no playbook to apply to it. Yeah, and it could be a problem that you know you don't you haven't necessarily seen, so you're relying on some of those tools in your toolbox to solve. And and it's interesting, as you mentioned, you know, and and, and you hear it a lot. The first ninety days, you're listening, you're observing. Uh, you're taking copious notes, but you have an intent for taking those notes. You're not just documenting your first 90 days. You are looking to make adjustments. And I guess the the corporate, you know, the little piece there that's interesting is how much you start formulating and how early you start formulating your plan. And then are you actually trying to test out your theory as you're gathering more information or are you just trying to you know, have it be a little bit more malleable and adjusted as you go. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the distinction. And maybe, you know, to, to your to your prompt, right? I mean, maybe that is the bit about wrapping yourself around the company you find versus kind of having it wrap around you is you're going to have a set of hypotheses or conjectures about, you know, what needs to change or what doesn't need to change. And uh, Presumably, yeah, you use that listening and learning time to to evaluate, like, are these the right changes? Will they have the impact I, I expect them to? Um, there, There is always this sort of running joke, though, right? If, like, a new leader starts, you just set your stopwatch and wait for the rework to be announced. And, you know, it's probably 60 to 120 days in, right? It's just going to happen. I, I did one, you know? I did two, actually. And, like, I mean, you're not trying to be underhanded about it. It's more just, like, an organizational structure is often just such a reflection of like how you believe things will be best set up for success. And so that's, uh, you know, you, you are trying to align your worldview to the kind of the best way you know how to set up an organization for success. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess what's interesting there is, you know, I was actually just thinking when you said the word, there's always a reorg and I'm thinking about whether, you know, the organization, adopts to the leader, the leader adopts to the organization. I think we might be saying the same things in some ways, because if you're coming in and doing a reorg, you're 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 influencing a little bit of your will over what you think is correct. I mean, that's what you were hired to do, right? You weren't hired as the uh, as an IC to come in and execute and, and lead a certain piece of the code. You were brought in as the engineering leader to implement a solution to address deficiencies or address growth opportunities. And I don't think it's always a negative thing of why, you know, a leader comes in has to reorg. Sometimes it's, hey, we were great, you know, up to 50 people, but now to get to the next set, we have to do these things and that's what you're brought into. But I guess I guess it's the perception, right? It's like the perception of a reorg has a negative connotation versus it's an instrument for potential positive change when they're done for, you know, not financial cost-cutting reasons. Totally. And I, I think that is the, um, maybe I've, I've seen the version in, you know, previous roles, uh, of people sort of entering an organization and maybe that's the, um, it's, it's where almost if people don't trust the motivations, if people can't quite see what you see, right. In terms of identifying that next opportunity for growth or unlocking a potential like scale in the organization that you, you haven't needed to reach for yet. So, you know, I, some of the stuff can be, um, I think it just depends a little bit of where you start and honestly, like how, uh, like what will the traffic bear? You know, you, the conditions that you, you find, right. is like people will only handle so much change. You can only, you know, add so many new processes in a day before people are just kind of given up on it. And it just sounds like noise or it sounds like chaos. So, you know, maybe this is actually just around having a little bit of 
humility or empathy for like the fact that you you are changing things and even a new leader coming in is a is a change right people don't know where they stand with that person they don't know what their influences are placed in the world and so you know i i think maybe that's just where you kind of have to exercise good judgment about like what what can you change what do you just have to kind of let be how it is and see you know see if you can change it later or influence it later i mean that's that's a very fair observation i think what I kind of take away from that component is the communication of this plan. And I think sometimes, as you you know alluded to, people are wondering what what's going to happen, which which affects their work performance because they're not sure if their job's there. And again, you know positive or negative uh, influences, right? Like they don't always have to be a reorg for negative. It could be a reorg for the positive. But I still have lost my place in my compass, and I'm and I'm there every day wondering, well, are they going to move my teams? Am I going to lose the people I bond with? All those different things. When it comes to communicating, how much of the plan that you can communicate? Obviously, you got to be careful depending on the size, scope, all those things. That that seems like a real tight wire act. How, how do you how do you kind of view that? Uh, I, th- I think that's a, a it is a real challenge, particularly entering a new organization. Is who who are your thought partners, right? In terms of like, uh, you know, I was at Square for many years, and so there was always a sense of if I was contemplating a, a change, an opportunity, whatever, you knew who you could perhaps would be able to help evaluate that or challenge your thinking. Uh, you start fresh, right? And you're like, well, who do you, who do you don't you don't really know anybody. You don't know what the entrenched interests are the the uh you know whatever strange political stuff is going on you, you're stepping into a cold so i would say in terms of communicating i like to uh over communicate and if, if any of my team listen to this they'll, they'll laugh because like i just have this thing where i'll sort of float an idea i usually have a pretty strong perspective but i'll float it it's an idea mm-hmm. and i will genuinely be gathering feedback and it's you know and then I'll probably float the idea one more time, but a little more concretely, like, well, here, I think I filled in some details since that thing we talked about last time. And then, lo and behold, you probably tell, you know, a, a smaller group of, of, say, your managers or whatever it is, and then bring them in and say, here's the plan, here's what we're going to here's what we're gonna change, here's the comms plan. I, I like to do that in a pretty regimented way. I will usually have an actual, like, written, like... <laughs> If people get these people get told here, and then these people get told here, and this person is responsible for sending this message to these people or whatever it is. So, you know, but I I don't say like to be as inclusive as possible in this stuff, but you have to balance that with how disruptive is the fact that you're kind of thinking out loud to an organization. Um, it, incredibly often. I want to go back. You mentioned that when you join an organization. Obviously, you know when when you're at a company and you know who you can turn to, your thought leaders, who you can bounce ideas off of. But when you join a new company, I guess there's almost a component of depending on who you go ask. Can you go ask somebody above you? Would they would there be a little bit of imposter syndrome or concerns there? Because you're like, well, if I'm asking their thoughts, is it because they think I'm unsure or they hired me for this job? But I am soliciting feedback and they expect me to know. It seems like, you know, obviously, you know, leadership is a lot of art, a lot of science combined, but this little component seems very dangerous potentially because it could undermine the strength, but yet you'd like collaboration, especially as a new leader joining an organization. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree that's a, that's a risk. Um, and I can't say I have any magic formula. Uh, I've experienced it before where uh, a new leader came in to an organization I was in 
And I, I kind of, I think I, I was trying for some, some vulnerability in terms of like, Hey, here's how I'm sort of thinking about, you know, the structure of this or solving this particular organizational challenge. You know, what do you think? And he kind of looked at me blankly and he was like, uh, I don't know, like, why are you asking me? Like, and that was such a, such an interesting moment of sort of undercutting, um, like, Oh, well, great. He thinks I'm incompetent now. Um, I am, I am very lucky in my current organization that like from, from day one and not just saying this cause I worked for him, but like, uh, you know, our CEO, Greg is, um, has, you know, was very open to that. And that's honestly the conversations we were having even through my interview process was, Oh, how do you think about that? And gee, that's a really sticky problem. Like, could, could you do this? Could you, could you do that kind of thing? And that being able to have that open dialogue, I think with at least one person is important. And frankly, if, if, you know, if, if a new, my, my new, you know, leader or whatever, um, starting a new job was to turn around and think I was incompetent for asking those kinds of questions or wanting to have that kind of uh, process of learning. Well, I probably just would leave. I mean, like it's not not a job I would want to stay in. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I, I was going to ask you: was that something that you were able to determine through the interview process, where you were like, "Hey, these people are really collaborative," because people say they're collaborative, and it means different things <laughs> when they talk about collaboration, they want you to go ask for their input or ask for their permission. That's cool. And then two collaborations. Hey, here's what I think. I- I'm just curious to see what other people's you know, viewpoints are. Were you able to kind of see some of that through the interview process before joining NAV? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, um, I'd say my, my winning formula is, is, uh, try challenging them. Try disagreeing. Have that say something they might disagree. Like I'm not not in any sort of gamified way, but it's actually I think like people get locked into a certain kind of interview mode where there's a, a right answer and things like that. Way more interesting, right? To actually have a kind of dynamic conversation where you 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 have different perspectives and see how do you how does that work? That hasn't steered me wrong so far, right? Like in terms of uh, you know anybody can kind of woo through a an interview process, but. Um, you know, then you turn up on day one and then you're you're starting essentially from scratch, right? Absolutely. I, I was going to flip the conversation a little bit towards the people you manage. Um, and, and we kind of touched on a little bit about the reorg and people having concerns and people not being sure. And and again, reorgs don't always have to be negative. They could be for positive reasons. But either way, it, it does affect different people differently. Some people are, hey, change is awesome. Um, you know, ready to go to the next chapter, even if it means I have to leave, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to find the next door. Some people, it really bothers them. It will, it will affect their performance. When you're kind of looking at change and and you've studied your teams, how much of that can you take into account? Obviously you have to execute. I'm sure you want to take into account as much as you can, but again, seems a lot more art than just purely science in this case. Yeah, I, I, it absolutely is. And I, um, I have a little bit of, a, I guess, a principle that uh, things like reorgs or organizational change in general um, tend to get blown up to the proportion that people kind of cluster around and assume they're going to be a big thing. Like, if people sometimes uh, I'll see, you know, change announcements. But thankfully, not not in my current organization because it's quite small. But uh, in, in larger organizations. Um, where you know there'll be a whole calm strategy and a lot of like uh you know you're answering questions i never thought to ask but now i'm curious why you thought it was important that i know this detail um it almost seeds to confusion i honestly like to be very matter of fact about this stuff and kind of have the expectation that people will roll with it 
And I've found in general, people, if that, if that is your expectation, people will generally roll with it. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like, I think the other one is just a recency thing. I like to know a little bit about a history of a team and like, oh, well, they, they used to be working for this person. Then they, you know, that person left and then they got merged with this other team. You're like, gee, maybe not the place to start making changes right now. You know, and the, the other way is sort of uh, usually the most urgent need, I think, is where like there's a, a kind of an opportunity for success, right? Like, honestly, fixing a problem, like, yeah, whatever. It's more like, Oh, th- th- there's greatness waiting just under here. And in some ways, I think if you can unlock people's ability to sort of recognize that, like, oh, wow, we could be doing so much more, we could be doing it better, we could be having more impact, or we could have this additional scope, and that'd be really exciting. Then, like, the change is just sort of a, it's a formality, right? It's like, oh, whatever, you know, clicks and buttons in the HR system. <laughs> but whatever that change is, it's about kind of, I think, enrolling the people who are going to see that opportunity and getting them excited. And then, you know, that's that's how you build that organizational change around. Is there danger for? I mean, well, this is that's a bit of a hard question answer, but I'll pose it maybe a different way. So, when it comes, so we talked about communicating and trying to provide as much context, and you and sometimes these organizational changes they will have a positive or negative consequence. When you're getting down to the team level, individual level, and you have managers, how much do you rely on the managers? to be pretty clear in understanding of what needs to be done. How, how do you check in with the managers, making sure that they're, they're seeing what they're seeing, taking that feedback in from the ground level? Because obviously there's a little bit of separation between you and the on-the-ground team. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to be very clear in my expectations of those managers. And like just my, you know, I got a few layers of them and I, I, I rely very, very heavily on them to be, Honestly, they're, they're the ones doing all the work. And so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just there to kind of oversee things, do a little traffic control. But um, so that's where I like to honestly make sure that they're hearing a version of, of the the message of what are we what are we changing? Why are we changing it? What are we optimizing for? And then, you know, they'll, they'll usually be sort of brought into that process earlier to sometimes help shape it. Um, sometimes maybe it's, it's already kind of been percolated uh, through through leadership or whatever. Um, but the, the point at which I guess, you know, teams are told or individuals on teams are told, I kind of like to make myself available, but, but I would like those managers to be the front line and in answering the questions or, uh, you know, soothing, soothing the the nerves of whoever's feeling disrupted. And generally I think they've been very effective. Uh, certainly, certainly my current organization, like I'm sort of impressed at how, people are able to formulate probably a better response than I could often because it's situated in the team and the context of the team or the, the types of work they do. And that's, that's kind of great, right? It's nice to see. Absolutely. I was going to say, um, I love your thoughts on this. I, I know, um, you know, I, I, I keep asking you questions and I think you're going to have great views. I got to let you get back to your day job at some point. Um, so I really do appreciate you being on and and sharing your thoughts with us. But before I let you go, um, I like to ask uh, leaders this question: and it is, if you could ask uh, us to cover you know a different topic um, down the road, what would you like to hear more about? Uh, you know the the area that's most interesting to me right now is hiring because I, I've done a lot of hiring, but I did during just different conditions. Uh, it's a weird environment. 
So in some ways, I'd love to kind of understand like what have other people learned about what's different about hiring in this environment, this market, because it's just not the same as it was even six months ago, certainly not 12 months ago. I'll be listening out for that one. Yeah, I like that one. I um, I think I think you know I like to do some roundtables. I think that one might be a, a great roundtable discussion because uh, I, I'm going to need uh, different viewpoints because uh, it's you know we're a recruiting company. It's all over the map. I can tell you that now. Why? We'll, we'll get some guests on and hopefully address that. So that's a great topic. Thank you. The other question, John, is how can somebody contact you if they want to pick your brain or follow up with anything you've discussed on the show? What's a good way of touching base with you? Uh, I have a, a very uh, sparsely used Twitter at uh, GianP um, or uh, LinkedIn, Gian Peroni. Okay, awesome. Uh, make sure that we link um, to those in the show notes so everyone can find you if they'd like. Appreciate your time again. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. That's it for this episode. We back again, different guests, different topic. Until then, two things. One, if you want to be on a roundtable with me to talk about hiring the then and now, that's how I'm, how I'm viewing it in my mind. I'd love to have you on and, and get different viewpoints on that. And then secondly, if you find the podcast useful, please share it with someone else. That's how the podcast has grown. It's all been pretty much organic. And like, subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to it. I always appreciate that. Thank you and goodbye.